welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. We come up to the level we believe we're already at. In other words, we're already acting like we got what we prayed for. We're already acting like we are who God said we are. And that believing brings us up to the place we've already been in faith about. We come up to the level we believe we're at. You, you understand that? You, you're not there yet, but you believe you're there. Everything doesn't look like you're there yet, but you believe you're there. And then the other thing concerning wisdom, we, we heard this on Sunday, that when you pray for wisdom and ask God for wisdom concerning decisions you got to make, the future, uh, just knowing what to do, when you pray for wisdom, if, if we have to ask in faith, nothing wavering. In other words, we got to believe God heard us and the answer, and we got it. Yeah. And so really a lot of times what you have to do is you have to say, I believe I know what to do when I don't know what to do. Right. I believe I know what to do when I don't know what to do. What am I saying? I believe God answered my prayer. I believe. See, faith is the evidence of things not seen. Before you see the blessing, you see the faith that produces the blessing. It's the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith is the evidence of things you don't see yet. But if you see the faith, get ready for the thing because faith is the evidence of things not seen. And by faith, the elders obtained a good report and will obtain a good report too by faith. Don't you love that scripture in 2 Corinthians 10 where it says, Paul says, he says, when your faith is increased, our ability to minister among you will increase. It's not all about Paul's ability and Paul's anointing to help them more. Their faith had to come up. Jesus even had to teach so people's faith would come up so he could do more that he was wanting to do for them. And so, when's, when's tithing going to work for me? When's that healing going to manifest? When your faith is increased. Now, religion says it's all up to God, but Jesus said something different. He said, daughter, your faith made you whole. He said, according to your faith, be it unto you. He said, as you have believed, so be it unto you. Religion says it's all up to God. That's not what Jesus taught. He said, daughter, your faith made you whole. When our faith is increased, 1 Corinthians 10, 15, or 2 Corinthians 10, 15, it says when your faith is increased, Paul said our ability to help you will increase because it's not all about what God can do. It's all about what people are going to believe for him to do. If it was all up to God, there'd be nobody sick, there'd be nobody lost, we'd be in the millennium and everything would be fixed. But it's not all up to the Lord. He gave us free will. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. One of the things I want to pray for tonight is that the word that we've been hearing in this church would not slip before it's engrafted. There's some prayers we can pray concerning the word we've already been hearing in this church. I mean, really, what good does it do if we hear a great sermon, get all excited, and then two days later, don't even remember what, what it was? You know, the Bible talks about not only, um, the Bible not only talks about getting wisdom, the Bible says happy is everyone who retains wisdom. You got to hold on to it. 
Just because something came to us doesn't mean it's going to stick. And the Bible says if you really want to see the fullness of salvation, make sure you hold God's word before you long enough till it's engrafted. I think sermons should change the way we think, talk, and how we react under pressure. If we're not seeing an increase in, in the area of the positive in those areas, then we need to make sure we go over what the Lord's already said and make sure we're giving the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest at any time we let him slip. So in 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, we're going to read from verse 15 down to verse 17 at least. So 1 John 2, 15, New Testament. Interesting what we're going to look, look at here. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. The Bible says, don't love the world. I know we're in this world, but we don't love it. We don't love the things of this world. Love not the world. Love not the system. The world's way of thinking. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Now, how many of you know it's okay to like the mountains? It's okay to enjoy the ocean. Watch out about loving these things, though. Love's for, people that God, love's for God and people. If we start putting love in all these other areas, it cheapens love. We don't love chocolate cake. We're thankful for it. Right? We're, we're happy. We're, we're, we like it. It's, it's good. But it's, you don't love it. One, for one reason, chocolate cake can't love you back. <laughs> Amen? Love is for, to be reciprocated. It's not just a, you know, oh, I love pizza. Well, pizza don't love you. <laughs> How about we enjoy it, right? But he said here, now notice, so, so when he says love not the world, now this is interesting, church, but how many of you know if we, if we say, I love, oh, I love that car, we are doing something the Lord said don't do. Right. I don't, a while back, years ago, I decided to never, ever again say, I love a house, I love that suit, I love that car. I love cake. I love pizza. Never again. Why? Because I don't want to disobey what I know is in the Bible. <laughs> now, if you don't know what's in here, you're kind of off the hook. But we know now, so you're not off the hook. <laughs> right? We're not supposed to love the world. And that would include saying, I love this and I love that. You can say like, you can say I appreciate, you can say I'm thankful for, but when it comes to love, that's serious stuff. You know, the Bible says that Demas, a friend of Paul's, a companion in ministry to the Apostle Paul, it says in the book of Timothy, Paul said, Demas has forsaken me in the ministry and the things of God, having loved this present world. Mm -mm. You got to watch out about what you love and who you love. And this scripture says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Again, you can enjoy, you can like, you can be thankful for. Watch out about crossing the line and saying, I love this thing. I can't do without this thing. When I have it, I'm happy. When I don't, I'm sad. That's an idol. If something's controlling your joy level, that becomes an idol. I know before I got saved. Not just two weeks ago, okay? Decades ago, I know. If I had marijuana, I was happy. And if I didn't have it, I was not fun to be around. If I had beer and some Bacardi, I was happy. 
If I didn't, I was not a person you wanted to be around. Why? Because those things were way too important to me. Look at, I look at it this way. God is able to bring more things into our life when they don't mean so much to us. Do you understand that? When, when things don't mean too, as much to you, he's able to trust you with more because he knows it won't pull you away from him and you won't love it more than you love him. Hopefully you don't love it at all. You catching this online? I know I'm not talking to anybody here right now. I'm kidding, guys. We love you. We know you're, you're holy. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it is not of the Father, it's of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God is going to be around forever. Oh, read that verse again. The world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God endureth or abideth forever. So what should we spend most of our time focused on? Things of the world are the will of God. There is coming a day there is coming a day, not very long from now, in God's time clock, a few minutes from now, all of us won't be here. And what we did for the Lord, what we did in love, what we did concerning following the will of God, that's the only thing that's going to be remembered. Everything else is passing away. Right now, taking it to a practical zone, we can do things with our money that five minutes after we're gone, who cares? Or when this world's dissolved, who cares? Or we can do things with our increase that will last forever, that we'll be talking about with David and Joshua and Ruth and Rahab. We'll be talking about those things forever that we did. Oh, we gave in this offering. We gave this person that. We helped the poor over here. We did that over there. Look at the eternal difference it made in somebody's life. That's what we want. I, I firmly believe, like Keith Moore, uh, our friend Keith, I, I firmly, firmly believe that most of the church today is not even close to enough reward-minded. They're just glad they're saved and they'll slide into heaven, but after, you know, they just do whatever they want on the planet here, I'm going to heaven, praise the Lord, that's all there is. No, that's not all there is. The Lord talked a lot about rewards given out to his faithful servants in heaven he said there will be people that will be receiving things in heaven. There will be people that won't be receiving certain things in heaven. They'll be in heaven. They'll be saved so as by fire. But there's, there's reward. we need to be a little more reward-minded. The Lord wants us a little more reward-minded. He talked about rewards in the book of Revelation. Paul talked about rewards. Crowns of righteousness laid up for him and all those that love is appearing. And We need to be a little bit more reward-minded. It'll take the boringness out of life. It'll take the lethargy out of life. He that does the will of God abides forever. So turn to John chapter 1. One of the things I want to pray about tonight is what this verse talks about. And that is discerning more clearly and doing more faithfully the will of God. These things are far from just automatically happening because you're a Christian. 
we need to discern and we need to be a little more serious about doing what we know is the will of God. Did you know the greatest uh, opposition you're going to have to following God's plan for your life is following your plan. So, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach all my dreams. What about the Lord's dream? <laughs> Which is way better than our P-brain dream ideas, right? The Lord has a will for our life. And it's not just for pastors. It didn't say, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the pastors of God. Everybody should be interested in being led by the Spirit of God. Yes. Everybody should be interested in finding and doing the will of God. Oh, I mean, this, this is power. Jesus made a statement in Matthew 7. He said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. And he'll say, he'll say, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. And it's the will of the Father that we believe in Jesus. That gets you to heaven. But it's also the will of the Father that we do things he tells us to do as believers. And that, that's not what's going to get you to heaven. Be, believing in Jesus is what gets us to heaven. But a lot of people are thinking, you know, I just, you know, I just, I just you know, God gave me a free will, so I'm just going to do what I want to do as long as I'm not hurting anybody. Did you know something I realized? There's a lot of people, even, even people who maybe are in the category of a minister of the gospel, they are doing things for the Lord, but they're not doing what the Lord wants them to do. They're doing things for the Lord that they feel like doing or they want to do or that stirs them up. It's interesting to think that you can do something for the Lord, but at the same time, it's not what he wants you to do. He has something else for you to do. You can't do two different things at the same time. You can't be, you know, in Florida and California at the same time. You can't. Not yet. <laughs> so... Let's read here in John chapter 1. I thought this was interesting because we need to discern and realize there's other wills we could be following. There, there's other wills. Look here, John chapter 1. Jesus talks, or John talks about it by the Holy Spirit in John chapter 1. And let's look at verse 6, and we'll read a few verses here. John 1, verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. That was me. I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lights every man that comes into the world. He was in the world and the world was made by him. This is talking about Jesus. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came to his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now notice, these people who received Jesus, were were, which were born not of blood, Talking about the rebirth of our human spirit when we receive Jesus. Nor were they born of the will of the flesh. Say will, will of the flesh. The flesh has a will. Have you noticed? It wants to do a lot of things. And if you let your flesh do everything it wants to do, you, it will not go well with you in the long run. <laughs> Can I get a witness? There's a will of the flesh. The flesh wants you doing things all the time. You got to train it, crucify it, 
Make sure it only does the right things. So the will of the flesh, that's, we weren't born of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. Now this goes a little bit beyond the flesh. This is just man's own ability to choose. A man's own, the, the, the part of your soul is your will. Your emotions have a choice, uh, excuse me, have a, a decision-making part. And then it says, but of God. He's talking about we were born of the will of God. He wanted us. We were born again, and we're born of the will of God. And James talks about that, talking in James chapter 1. I'll, I'll go there real quick and just read it to you. At least James 1.18, which we just read very recently in our Bible reading as a church. James 1.18 says, Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Of his own will we were begotten. Of his own will. He wanted us. We're here by the will of God. We, we, we responded and yielded to the will of God and we were born again. So what, what do we got? The will of the flesh, the will of man, the will of God. There's one more will we need to be aware of. Anybody know what that might be? The will of the devil. He has a will for your life. How many of you glad you already missed the perfect will of the devil? <laughs> you already missed going to hell. You already missed dying without Jesus. If you're born again, the perfect will of the devil is that people die in their sins without receiving Jesus, rejecting the gospel, and go to hell with him forever. Well, I'm here to say I missed the perfect will of the devil. And you did too. But I want to show you something, and I believe it's um, 2 Timothy chapter 2. And as you turn into 2 Timothy chapter 2, do you remember where Jesus gave us the devil's job description in John 10.10? 10? Can anybody help me out with what, what the devil's job description is? The thief cometh not but for to kill and to steal and to destroy. Jesus said, but I've come that you might have life and have it super abundantly. Oh, I wish we'd just come up to the level of that and believe that we're worthy enough by the blood to receive it all. So this scripture that we just quoted, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's the will of the devil to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Well, I don't want that will. <laughs> I'm not going to receive that will. And here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, notice in verse, oh, let's see. 24. 2 Timothy 2, 24. It says, The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all, able to teach, and patient. The servant of the Lord in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them that oppose themselves repentance, which is a gift, that they may acknowledge the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. So now we've got four wills in the earth realm that we can see right here. We've got the will of the flesh. Your body, your fleshly th desires want to do things all the time that they shouldn't do. Number two, we've got the will, the will of man, more in the core of your life, your soul. Then we've got the will of God, and then there's the will of the devil. We need to discern clearly the difference, yes. especially between God's will and these other three. Yes. 
And we need to get to the point where we really believe no matter what we feel, no matter what our soul says, no matter what the enemy tempts us with, we know what God's will is and we're going that way because we believe it's the best way. May not feel like the best way, may not seem like the best way, but he's been around longer than us. His will is that we prosper, that he doesn't harm us, that we have blessing, a bright future. I say we go God's way even if we don't understand it. Let's go his way and find out that it's the best way. Right now, you've got to believe it's the best way. But then you're going to find out it's the best way. Because there's times you have to say, right, the crossroads of life. When temptation's coming from every angle, everybody else is doing it. Everybody else says it's okay. No big deal. God still loves you. Grace will cover it. You've got to say, right, that crossroads. No. God's way is the best way. I can do without this for a few more clicks. Thank you anyway. Turn with me to the book of Romans. Can somebody tell me how can we get started in this process of discerning the will of God? If we want to know what the will of God is, where should we start? Well, we have a heavyweight advantage today, even more than they had in Bible days. Do you know they didn't have a Bible in Bible days? <laughs> but we got a Bible today. All these compilations of the letters and the writings of God and the things that he's released into the earth realm and preserved to bring us what we have today, the Bible. The number one way we can discern the will of God is go to the will, right? New Testament, which means will, and find out what it is. And when we start reading here, and if we need to know anything else, he'll tell us. But how about we find out what he already said? What's he already said? I just, God, I just want to hear from you. I just want to hear your voice. Oh, God, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Oh, God, what should I do? What should I do? He said, I already told you a bunch of things in the book. Why don't you read that first? And if you need to know any more, I'll tell you. And that's what this scripture is going to talk about right here. But you, you all realize this is the will of God. Old Testament, old will, new will. Now, we're living in the New Testament, so your highest priority should be the New Testament. And then, of course, read the Old Testament. See how the Lord dealt with his servants. See how the Lord dealt with Israel. See how the Lord helped people from the beginning of time up to now. But then always read scriptures in the Old Testament in light of the New Testament. Because the New Testament will tell you what's not active anymore, what's shut down, what was just for Israel versus what's for everybody. Because there's a lot of Old Testament scriptures that are still totally for us today, like mercy, Old Testament, New Testament, right? Justice, Old Testament, New Testament. Faithfulness, Old Testament, New Testament. It's all great. But when it comes to animal sacrifices, circumcision in the flesh, things like that, we don't have to do that no more. Jesus took care of all of that. And so the New Testament will help you apply more perfectly Things in the Old Testament that do apply. And so, what did I say turn to? Romans. Romans chapter 8. Here's a really powerful way to discern the will of God. And this is something that it just ha- we have to be more developed in. Verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, you, you, you did see here, it didn't say as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the full-time ministers of God. No. This is something every child of God needs to be aware of. 
The Spirit of God wants to lead you and He wants to lead me into the perfect life and the perfect path that God has for our life. And again, I'm going to say it again, probably the biggest challenge to following God's plan for your life is the plans you have for your life. Please, let's make sure that all of our plans are in line with His plan for our life. Isn't it interesting to think we can do anything we want that could be amazing or that could be very detrimental? Ability to do anything you want can be heavenly or it can be awful. You know, the book of Corinthians talks about getting to the point where we have power over our own will. You know what I mean? It's interesting, it's kind of, it's not funny really because it's very serious, but a lot of people are saying that they don't want to follow Jesus, they don't want to obey the Bible, they don't want to go to church, they don't want none of this Christianity, they don't want none of this religion. I want to be free to do whatever I want to do. Not realizing they are slaves to their own passions. In total bondage to themselves. You're not free. You're in bondage to lust, in bondage to passions that are going south, in bondage to, to, to your limited will. That's bondage. You got, Bob Dylan, you know, he wrote a song many years ago. You're going to serve somebody. It may be the devil. It may be the Lord. But you're going to serve somebody. We, we are not the creator here. We're, we're going to serve somebody. You can serve yourself. You can serve your flesh. You can serve the devil. Or you can serve God and truly be free. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Serving God comes with tons of benefits that are out of this world. Amazing. But Jesus said, if you do these things, happy are you. Yeah. You do this, your joy will be full. Mm -hmm. You do this, you'll spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasure. You do this, you'll eat the best of the land. You do this, nothing will harm you, and you'll have hope in a future. You do this, you'll be rewarded greatly. You do this, you'll have peace that passes understanding. But how many know if you do what your flesh wants, you don't get none of that stuff. You get a temporary pleasure, and after that, messed up body, messed up mind, messed up character, messed up reputation, yeah. oppression in the morning. Yeah, well, I'm just, I don't want that Christianity stuff. I just want to be free. I don't want no bondage. I just want to be free. I'm, I'm going to sleep around and I'm going to get drunk and I'm going to do drugs and I'm going to go to parties and I'm going to do this because I, I don't want to be under no bondage. I ain't no servant to anybody. And the Lord says, you, you are a servant to your own passions, your ungodly, corrupt nature, and you are following like a little wimp puppy dog. <laughs> A whimpering puppy dog. Nope. And you know, I'm not talking about anybody in here. You understand that? I'm just saying, this is something that we have to be aware of because we don't want to yield to things that lead us to wrong destinations. All right. So turn to Matthew 5. Matthew 5. There's a couple things, and I have to, we have to get praying here in just a minute. There's a couple things that God specifically says are his specific will for all of us. If you read 1 Thessalonians, you read a whole list of things there. It talks about, um, well, it's probably too much to get into right now. He talks about 
Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. The previous chapter says, um, this is the will of God that you should abstain from fornication. This is the specific will of God. But the whole Bible is the will of God. But at times God said, here's some specific things I want you to know because you're going to live at a time probably where they're going to say these things are not that big a deal. Everybody's doing it. No big deal. He make it very clear. This is the will of God, that you do this, that you don't do that. And there's, all, there's quite a few scriptures where it talks about specific things like that, but everything the Lord says in his word in the New Testament, it's his will. So in Matthew 5, and this will take us into prayer here, we'll look at this. Um, what we want to pray about tonight is we want to pray about seeing more clearly what the will of God is for our lives individually, our lives as, as family, if you've got family members, in our lives as a church. Because I know that I know that I know that I know God wants to manifest His glory stronger than He's been able to. And I, I'm not going to go to this scripture. We'll read this and we'll, we'll get to praying. But let me at least say this to you. I woke up this morning thinking about a phrase. And I, I was pretty sure this was in the book of Hebrews. And it was. And again, we just came through the book of Hebrews. It says something in Hebrews chapter 8 about how God instructed Moses on the mountain to do things in this area of building God a tabernacle. He said, it, it's a shadow of the true tabernacle and you need to make sure that everything is done according to the pattern I showed you in the mount. See, God already had a heavenly plan. Moses had to find out what that was and he had to do it to the T. And it's so interesting because in the very last chapter of the book of Exodus says, and Moses finished all the work exactly the way the Lord's. Now, see, Moses could have added his own opinion. Say, oh, no, Lord, you want this curtain to be this thick, not that thick. This color's better than that. Let's just do that. I feel like it would be better this way. God says, no, you do this thing. You build this tabernacle according to the pattern I showed you in the mountain. What's he doing? He's saying, this is my will. Do it the way I want it done, not the way you think it should be done. Well, Moses obeyed. And that's why he's in so many scriptures as a man of God, faithful over all, all his house. I mean, powerful. And then it says in Exodus, uh, the last chapter, I think it's chapter 40. It says in Exodus, one of the last verses said, Moses finished all the work exactly the way the Lord, the Lord told him to. And a cloud appeared over the tabernacle and the glory of God filled the tabernacle and Moses couldn't even get in because the glory was so thick. Amen. You want the glory to fall on your business? You want the glory to fall on your family? You want the glory to fall on our church? Let's be a little more particular in discerning of the perfect will of God. Now, when it says, have, be transformed by the renewing of your mind in Romans 12 too, that you may prove what is the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God, you'll find out that the word perfect is translated complete. Well, if there's a complete, there's an incomplete. If there's a perfect, there's a partial. I have no doubt most Christians are living in a degree of the will of God. But there is a perfect will of God. And one of the ways you can tell you're in the perfect will of God is an increase of the approval and glory of God in whatever you're doing. It's a little heavy, but this is midweek meat. Right? 
And so Matthew 5, let's read this real quick. Matthew chapter 5. And look at verse 43. Matthew 5, 43. Jesus said, oh, did I turn to the right one here? You have heard that it has said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless those that curse you, do good to those that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be children of your Father which is in heaven, for he makes his sun to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. If, for if you love them which love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the publicans do the same? If you salute your brethren only... What do you more than others? Do not even the publicans do so? Be you therefore perfect or complete, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. First thing Jesus said about prayer is pray for people that rub you the wrong way. Wouldn't it be cool if Christians obeyed this? We'd see a lot more Saul of Tarsus experiences turning into apostles of the Lamb. If we just pray like the Lord said, instead of talk about, criticize, write about, gossip about, I'm telling you, if we just did this one verse right here, we would see people on the road to wherever they're headed, meeting Jesus with a bright light in their life, changing forever and becoming one of the strongest Christians in our generation. Because that's what they did in Acts chapter 9. They were doing what Jesus said here, and a terrorist turned into an apostle overnight, almost overnight. Um, we were going to read on in the chapter 6 here, but for time's sake, we're not going to do it. I quoted you already, and let's, let's go ahead and get ready to pray here. I quoted you already that when the Lord said, talk, we call it the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6. He said, after this manner, therefore pray ye. So he's not really saying pray these exact words. He's saying after this manner, this, this agenda, this, this is a good way to pray with first things first. Pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So the first thing he says to do when it comes to prayer, it's always a good idea to start off with saying, God, thank you. You're bigger than everything. Everything's going to be all right. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Then he said, the number one first thing you ask for is, Lord, we ask that your kingdom, your rule, your reign, your will, your way come. Your will be done. In earth, starting in my heart, my mind, my life, my family, and beyond, as it is in heaven. Now, if that one prayer is answered, we got it made. <laughs> because everywhere God's will is being done, people are healthy, strong, prosperous, happy, blessed, full of peace, full of joy. So if you want more joy, peace, blessing, healing, health, prosperity in your home, be more interested in more of the will of God being in your home. Like the full will of God. Because where the full will of God is, Every good thing just comes with the package. I mean, if you want his protection, but you don't want his correction, it's going to be a little hard getting his protection. But if you want his correction, you want his direction, well, protection just comes with the package. Right? I mean, for one reason, a lot of times direction is to direct you away from where he knows some problems are going to be. And so... I want to pray tonight. We're going to get into the Colossians prayer as we're praying. I'm going to pray that prayer again tonight that we prayed a few weeks ago for us and for the church. And that is that God would fill us with the knowledge of his will. 
in all wisdom, there's a partial, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that we would walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Oh, say all. All, all pleasing. Being fruitful in every good work. In other words, what we do works. Whether it's on the job, whether it's in the church, what we do bears fruit. Because why? Because we're filled with the knowledge of his will. We're not doing a bunch of stuff that's not blessed. Right. Right, I gotta pray, oh God, bless my plans. Oh God, bless my plans. He goes, I can't. Get my plan, it's already blessed. Every good work. Increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. See, God wants us joyful, full of joy while we're pursuing his will. It's, it's very serious, but there needs to be a lot of joy because it's amazing what it does for us in the world we live in. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 